And now, O Lord, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of all of our hearts be found acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our strength and our redeemer. If through the words of this human being we do not hear your voice, O God, we ask you to speak to each of us then, here in the quietness of our hearts. Amen. Well, today is the day of Pentecost, as we have already shared with you, the day um, that was set uh, in historic times 50 days after the Passover. And so for us, it is in the Christian faith, we have adopted that and adapted it to 50 days after Holy Thursday, which is the night that Jesus gave himself up for us, where he went to the garden and where he was arrested and then went to his eventual death and resurrection. And today is, a, in historic times, in our heritage, was a day of celebration. It was also called the Festival of Harvest, where everybody was celebrating God's great bounty. And we, as recipients of this heritage, also received the heritage of our early church, which was this being the day, after only a few days after Jesus had ascended into heaven, and the disciples were gathered together, faithfully praying, doing what Jesus told them to do, the Holy Spirit came and changed everything. The Holy Spirit changed everything because he changed the people whose hearts were really willing and ready to be changed. Now, today is, like I said, the day of Pentecost, the beginning of a new season. But I want to bring another reminder to you today about what today is for us as we have been experiencing the Holy Spirit move in new and different ways. The enemy may have intended COVID-19 for evil, but the Lord is using it in the, midst the, in the midst of that evil for good to bring out new things in our churches. This is the 12th Sunday of virtual worship here at First United Methodist Church of West Point. And I can't say that without once again giving a shout out to everybody you have seen and those who have been unseen helping make this service possible. And one of the things we have discovered with great joy is that this new virtual digital ministry is reaching more people, is connecting us in new ways, and God is doing something mighty as his spirit moves through these airwaves that we cannot see, these clouds and these algorithms and all of these technical places. And I just want to acknowledge that for a moment for us to give thanks for the fact that God, it, God's spirit is moving in the midst of difficult and chaotic times. And what we've experienced this past week um, in the wake of George Floyd's death, also in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of violence, in the midst of something so horrific and the events that have followed, that God can bring beauty out of the ashes. Because remember how the disciples must have felt after Jesus had died on the cross. Remember how they must have, think of how they must have felt when he was risen, but they still weren't really sure, is it him? What does this mean? And then he goes away. So many emotions. Our, our ancestors in the faith, our Lord and Savior Jesus knows what it is to suffer. And he is working with us. He is with us, bringing us through these difficult times to make us better than we were before. And to be better than we were before means that sometimes things are going to be different than they were before. This way of worshiping is very different for all, all of us. I'm not going to ask you whether you like it or not. We just, I just invite you to sit with that for a moment, that God is doing something new and something different. And this, on this day of Pentecost, one of the things 
that we celebrate, as we heard in the story read from Acts, is that this is the birthday of the church. And this is the day that many languages came forth. And we also look to this day as one where we are, our different ways of worshiping, our different traditions begin to be born. Now, one thing I will say about today um, is that I'm going to share with you some things that I normally would not share if you were at, if your actual selves instead of your virtual shell, selves were sitting in this space today. For some reason, it's just easier to talk to a camera about some of these things than it is to actually talk to people. No offense to the people who are in the room, but I'm just going to look at the camera as I talk about this for a moment. All of us, many of us, I should say, grew up in a specific church tradition. Some of you may have grown up in the worship tradition of the United Methodist Church. You may have grown up in the worship tradition of this particular church. Um, but some of us may have a Baptist background. Some of us may have an atheist background. Some of us may have a Roman Catholic background. Well, I come to you today as someone who was not raised in the United Methodist Church. When I was 22 months old, my family had been in the Methodist Church. I was baptized in the Methodist Church. We left, and I spent the majority of my growing up years in the charismatic movement and in Pentecostal churches. And the day of Pentecost, when, I, when God called me back to ministry, or called me back to the Methodist Church and into full-time ministry at the age of 22, that's another story for another day. We're not going there today. But when God called me back and I came into this tradition, I didn't understand why every Sunday wasn't the day of Pentecost. Because I'd grown up in traditions where when we went to church on Sunday, there was speaking in tongues, there was singing in tongues, there was dancing in the spirit, there was being slain in the spirit. The worship alone lasted for over an hour, and the sermon, if we got out early, lasted only about an hour. And, and, the, and everything that we hear about in the day of Pentecost, everything we read about with the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that was just Sunday for me. And I bring that up today because, uh, because of the story that I want to share with you. One of the uh, churches that I was in, and I don't remember exactly how old I was, but it was around adolescent age. Um, one of the things that we always had at the end of every service, and I'm sure this is true in some other traditions, was an altar call. Now, I don't mean just the altar call that I give here at the church where I invite you to come forward, to commit your life to Jesus, uh, to become a member of this church. It's usually pretty brief and to the point. Um, these altar calls lasted as long as uh, the service has already lasted sometimes. And I just want to ask you, wherever you are, if you've ever been in a church with an altar call like that, raise your hand. Yes, indeed. Now, if you've ever responded to one of those altar calls, keep that hand up. Yes, indeed. I'm sure some of you still have your hand up. Okay, you can put your hands down wherever you are. Well, one of the churches that I was in when I was about an adolescent, we had an altar call that the pastor gave the invitation and people came. And, and then he just kept adding to the invitation. The Holy Spirit was moving him to just keep on, uh, to keep on adding uh, invitations. And finally, he said, if you want more of God... If you want more of God, come down to the altar. Well, of course, 75% of the congregation, no social distancing, in fact, just piled into the aisles. Everybody started going down front, and the only people who didn't were pretty much those who there was no room for them at the altar. Everybody was responding, yes, I want more of God. And I distinctly remember after the service, I may not remember how old I was, I may not remember exactly what I was wearing that day, but I remember somebody walking out of that service and saying, well, I don't know what it means to want more of God. I don't know what more of God looks like, 
But if someone asks if you want more of God, you got to say yes, right? Everybody wants more of God. Indeed, that question has stuck with me over the years because we all want more of God even if we're not sure what that looks like. And today as we hear these verses from John's Gospel and the book of Acts, I can't help but wonder if wanting more of God lines up perfectly with what Jesus said to us, what he shouted years ago. You see, Jesus had the Pentecostal in him as well. When he said, believe in me so that rivers of living water will burst out from within you, flowing from your innermost being, like the scripture says. I can't help but wonder if when we say, God, I want more of you, we want more of you in our lives, if this is not the answer to that prayer, where Jesus is saying, I want to continually flow through you. I want for my life and your life to be united in such a way that I am continually flowing through you. Those rivers of living water. What Jesus is saying to us here, he gives the invitation, if you are thirsty, come to me, come to me and drink. Come to me and drink. Friends, that's all we have to do. Just like that pastor said, if you want more of God, come down to the front. Well, you go down to the front. Jesus says, hey, you want, are you thirsty? You bet you're going to, if you're not thirsty now, you're going to be, keep coming back to me. One of the things I want to encourage us to do is to think about this Pentecost day, this day of the spirit coming, this day of celebration, this day of God filling us with new life, not being a one time event, but a daily practice. Because what Jesus is saying to us here today is if you want more of me, and I want to give you more of me. I want, to, I want for you to be a vessel, a channel through which my living water can flow. And friends, that, you may say, well, how do we do that? It simply begins by every day, multiple times a day, submitting to the living water, submitting to Jesus. It begins with submitting our lives. It's not a five-point plan. It's a way of living. And when we begin to pray that, God, I want more of you, I want for your living water to flow through me, we realize, as we have in this quarantine and pandemic season, our deep and dire need for God. We know that no, nothing else in this world can satisfy the thirst that only Jesus can quench. And that is what he's inviting us to today. He's saying, I'm here. Come to me. I'm not confined to a building with stained glass windows. Yes, he's here in this beautiful building with stained glass windows, but he is also working in your home where you are today. He's working wherever we are. He is with us. And he's inviting us today, as the passage says, on the most important day of the feast, this last day of this season as we enter a new season. He's saying, keep coming back to me. Keep drawing from me. Keep coming near to me so that I can give you. You may not be able yet to gather in one place. We see in verse 39 he's saying that we even have a postscript here from John where he's saying Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit had not yet been poured out upon them. Anytime we're waiting for something, friends, look in the Bible and you will find over and over examples where Jesus is saying to us, Something good is coming, but you've got to wait for it. Something better is coming, but it's not here yet. We are in a season of not yet. We don't know when uh, the pandemic is going to end. We don't know when the racism and the violence that has followed is going to end. We don't have an end date to any of this. But what God is inviting us to do as our response is to come to him 
to drink, to partake of these deep and wonderful waters that Jesus has given to us. Because you see, when Jesus said this in John chapter 7, it wasn't available to them yet like it is to you and I now. Because he was talking about the Holy Spirit. And that leads us to Acts chapter 2, the second passage that was read today, where we find about 120 people gathered in an upper room. And we know that it's about 120 because Acts chapter 1 tells us that. If you want to read more details, you can back up a chapter and see. But when Jesus ascended into heaven, he gave specific instructions to watch for the Holy Spirit, to wait for the Holy Spirit, to praise God. And he, when he left, as we talked about last week, when he ascended into heaven, he was blessing the people. They blessed God. They went to the temple. They went to their home. And I bring that up very intentionally, friends, that they were both in the temple praising God. They were in their homes praising God as well. And then they were gathered in this was what was likely the same room where Jesus had given them his bread, the bread and the cup with his lap, for his last meal with them. And the people are gathered together. They are waiting. They are watching. But here's the thing. Did you notice that Jesus did not give us a description of what the Holy Spirit was going to look like? He didn't say anything about wind. He didn't say anything about fire. All he talked about were the results of the Spirit coming. He talked about the rivers of living water would be flowing through them. And what do we see happen? But of course, when they were all together in that place, a pillar of fire came about them. And what was the fruit of being in there? In Acts chapter 2, verse 4, they were filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had never learned. That's the Passion Translation, and I use it intentionally because of that last part. They were empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had never learned. I would love to talk more, and we might actually do that this summer, about, um, about praying in the Spirit and what this means about praying in other tongues. But I want to just highlight for us today, as a little sneak preview of what is to come, that they were empowered to speak something they had never learned before. It was something that the Lord gave to them. It was something that the Spirit gave to them. Jesus didn't give a description of exactly what was going to happen. But the people knew. The people knew that it was the Holy Spirit. And that's just something that we know. It's a knowing that we only develop by spending time with God, by worshiping Him, by waiting on Him, and by praying together as the people of God. There's no great, uh, there, there was no great checklist that the people were going through, those 120 that gathered day after day after Jesus ascended. They just met together and they worshiped. They fellowshiped. They met together and, uh, and they watched and they waited to say, Where is, how's the Holy Spirit coming? I mean, the Messiah came out of a stable in Bethlehem. Who knows what this Holy Spirit is going to look like? And friends, that same Spirit that went from 100, that moved upon 120 people, later brought 3,000 the same day into believing in Jesus Christ. In one day, the church of Jesus Christ grew from a 120-member congregation to a, basically a, a mini-megachurch, if you will. And God is continuing to build on that in new and fresh ways. And we are a part of what he is doing if we will open ourselves to the rivers of living water to flow through us. And here is the tough news that I've already told you before. And I say tough because it's hard for us as human beings to wrap our minds around this. We love to rationalize. We love to criticize. We love to talk. That is part of our human nature. And what the Holy Spirit is asking us to do, though, 
is to learn the new language of love. Learn a language of love in this season of not yet. How can we love each other from a distance? How can we speak out for justice when we see injustice in the world with love and with compassion? How can we resist the urge to post our opinion on social media and instead reach out to an individual who needs to hear our language of repentance, who needs to hear us say, I'm sorry for, not, for, I'm, I'm sorry for something I might have done to you. All of these are examples, friends, of changing our language, moving away from what suits us and instead moving towards what the, how the spirit is flowing through us. It's not easy to be a, a people of Pentecost, but oh, how much better life is when we submit to that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. The fire that came on Pentecost was one that purified. It's one that gave a fresh start. Indeed, we can't see exactly where the spirit is or how the spirit moves, but we can see the fruits of the Spirit. We can see the gifts of the Spirit. That's evidence of the Spirit being among us. And we can be bearers of that fruit. We can be recipients of those gifts if we submit as a church, not just as individuals, as a church, to what God desires us to be and who the people are he wants us to be. Let us go forth into this week, friends, to learn the new language of love, to put aside our personal preferences of worship style to put aside what we wish could be and instead embrace what God is doing right now. Let us be a people of love. Let us be a people of peace. And let us, like our ancestors in the faith, be a people of great rejoicing. For the living water is here and is ready to flow through us. Will we clear the channels of our lives so that he might move in a way that changes the world through him who lives and reigns with the Father and the Spirit, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ belongs all glory, now and forever. Amen. I invite you now to find the affirmation of faith.